0: Welcome to the Hair Dryer Treatment Podcast, powered by Kevin Grogan Soccer, Soccer, Coffee, and much more. Welcome to the show. I'm here with our ...resident sidekick Joe Bean. Thanks for coming in, Joe, again. Always a pleasure to have you here. And um, We're going to have a, a discussion about Roy Keane later... ...and tell some interesting stories about him. But just to start off, a uh, big hot topic. Uh, Kepa, the goalkeeper from Chelsea... ...playing in the final against um, Manchester City in the League Cup. Signaled to come off by the manager. Wouldn't come off. Um, lots of debate what happened... The manager then, sorry, seemed like he was going to walk off the pitch and down the tunnel, did a U-turn and came back. It was absolute mayhem on the sideline. Um, What are are your thoughts on that? There was talk that there was some kind of miscommunication uh,
1: about why he wanted him out and uh, talk of an injury. I don't know the full story. I don't know exactly what happened. But um, supposedly he's been reprimanded
0: for it, correct? He's been fined and so on. Yeah, he's been fined and he got dropped, I believe. I mean, the series of events was he went down with cramp, which is crazy in itself because he's a goalkeeper. You don't know why he would go down with cramp. Um, but some people are talking about, you know, some kind of supplements you can take that are legal, um, but they can cause issues with cramps and muscle muscles. So I'm not sure if that was the issue. But a goalkeeper going down with cramp is bizarre. Um, it got near the end of, regular, of, of time before the PKs, and there was talk of him the manager sorry making the change the sub goalkeeper um, is a penalty specialist he's also played for manchester city so he would understand maybe um, the dynamics of their penalty takers and where they might put it so some people say it might have been a tactical tactical move others say it might have been purely because the goalkeeper was injured and um, the goalkeeper signaled that he was okay to stay on and i think initially that's fine but then as the manager kept saying to him to come off he got more animated and it turned into this kind of saga and I think the whole thing could have been easily avoided had the goalkeeper just jogged over to the sideline and privately said to the manager listen I'm fine I'm not injured I'm okay to stay on and then the manager then says well I'm going to take you off anyway because it's a, a tactical decision or okay you're fine that's fine let's keep you on the pitch but it all got played out in the public eye and it was an absolute mess and um you know, I think you got to blame the player. Um, you could argue you could blame the other players, in particular the captain, for not going over and forcing him off the pitch. I think there was a lack of leadership there. I don't think the manager helped himself by the way he reacted. He was clearly annoyed on the sideline. It was just such a, a mess, and he's under pressure anyway. I don't think it's good, but yes, he has to be reprimanded, and I think he has been.
1: If your manager wants you out, it should be automatic that you come out. Especially if you know that that's what he wants. Um, do, do we do we know if if um, the the player genuinely was being genuine with his with his actions? But I think after so many minutes, he would have realised I need to come out, and he would have realised you know the the change that the coach was trying to make. So if if that's the case, well then the player is totally out of order.
0: Yeah, I mean people are saying again it's a misunderstanding and different things like this. The bottom line is the player has acted in a way on the field that is so dramatic and disrespectful to his manager. That's the bottom line. I mean, just jog over and have a chat with the manager privately so you can explain your situation. But he clearly wouldn't come off the pitch. And he clearly disrespected the manager. And the bottom line there is... I mean, in many ways, you know, if I was managing, you'd nearly want to get rid of the player. Now, in this day and age, it's very hard to do things like that because you're talking about contracts, you're talking about how much money they're on. You know, are you legally allowed to sack someone, which means you wouldn't have to pay them up? If they haven't done anything to justify a sacking, then if you get rid of them, you know, you have to pay them up. Or you know, There's just all a lot of complexities involved in that in terms of the finance of it. But, I mean, I think he's got fined, I think he was dropped, which is a good start. Um it wasn't a great look for a club and a manager who was under a bit of pressure but they've gone and got a big result yesterday against Tottenham you know which is a great way to bounce back Um, you know I do feel in this day and age managers are just not given anywhere near enough time I think everyone jumps on the bandwagon Um but it, it, it was just a saga and um it was just interesting to see, but in my opinion, I blame the goalkeeper. I think it's a classic case of a modern-day player throwing the toys out of the pram, <laughs> um, you know. But it was interesting. A lot of uh, discussion has been had this week about it. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll go straight into our um, discussion on Roy Keane.
1: We may be the chihuahua. You are an ostrich. Eggs. Dilly 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 Dong, Come on. <laughs> I want to be clear that I don't want to play mine games. I
0: think it was was an angry man. I think he was disturbed for some reason or other. Honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Welcome back. So we're going to talk about the legendary Roy Keane today. Um, Roy Keane obviously was captain of Manchester United for many, many years. Won every trophy, you could imagine. He also captained Ireland. Country where he was born, he's from Cork originally. Um, He was such a fantastic player, Joe, um, and had success everywhere he went. And what are your kind of first memories of him when he kind of came on the scene? Was it when he he obviously started with Nottingham Forest under Brian Clough, the legendary Brian Clough, that we'll actually do a podcast about um, in the next few weeks? Um, He then got picked for the Irish squad and then subsequently. Got signed by Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, and um, what are your kind of first memories of, of Roy Keane as a player?
1: I remember watching
0: him when he signed for Forest and all the talk about how
1: good he was and how powerful he was in the midfield position. Uh, great runs, great defensively, uh, super athlete. Um, and I got to see him play. Uh, I got to see him play for Forest, and it was impressive. Um, they were relegated. And he he still, he still managed to to make the United uh, signing, so and then of course when he went to United, um, the rest is history. What a footballer! What a leader! Um, l- lovely player, very very tough. Um, went overboard a few times because of his um competitiveness in a few tackles and a few situations, but it wasn't every week. He was one of the most consistent players to play the game a very good passer of the ball and a, a, an incredible engine. Uh, he's a great footballer starting and it was the same when he started out obviously when he got on a little bit he he, he ran up and down the field less.
0: But we'll talk about that. But
1: a great footballer.
0: And he was kind of renowned for having that engine of getting up and down. And he was what we would call a percentage player. He never, ever gave the ball away. He always kept it simple, kept it moving, and kept the flow of the game going. I actually remember a situation in Manchester United in the training ground where Sir Alex Ferguson came over to the youth team and he called us all over. To watch the first team train he just stood beside us in a bit of commentary by him and he said just watch Roy Keane watch him he'll never ever lose the ball just watch him and the first time he got the ball, he actually lost it. And Sir Alex started laughing, we all started laughing. But as we watched the session for five, ten minutes, we noticed that he just kept the ball moving. And uh yeah, we call we call that a percentage player. And just quality in that regard. Very technical, probably underrated in terms of how technical he was. He had every pass in the book and he was great at dribbling and power dribbling. Um but he chose to be that kind of percentage player and keep the ball moving. And he knew when to go, when to sit. And probably his game evolved over the years. When he was at, in his forest days, he was very much bombing into the box and getting ahead of the forwards. And he's still dead dead in Manchester United. I mean, the legendary goal, I think, that he scored against Juventus when United were losing in the Champions League. And he scored a quality header where he got into the box and glanced it in. And he really drove United over the line that night. And he got a yellow... And um, that meant he was going to miss the final. So he knew for most of that game he was going to miss the Champions League final. But the effort and the ability he showed in that game to make sure Manchester United got there was really phenomenal. He, When he was at Forest, he was actually initially meant to sign for Blackburn. And I think he'd actually verbally done a deal with Kenny Dalglish. And Sir Alex Ferguson came in at the fifth hour and um, he obviously decided to go there. And I remember watching an interview with him talking about him ringing Kenny Dugliese to tell him that he changed his mind. And obviously Kenny Dugliese wasn't too happy. Now, you you talk about legendary moments in people's career, you know, and he played for Ireland. I think one of the games that stands out was the, the qualifier against Holland, where he made that tackle against Overmire. I'm not sure if you remember, but it was in, um, I believe it was Lansdowne Road. First three minutes, he absolutely smashed Overmars, who was a top, top Dutch player, I think playing for Arsenal at the time, and he just set the tone for the game. And he ended up, I think, was the driving force in the goal. I believe McAteer scored that famous goal, but he came bombed down the wing and really, you know, took the game by the scruff of the neck. And he was one of the main reasons we we, we qualified, you know. Um, and I think then, you know, the saga of Saipan, do you remember that, Joe? Of course. can, yeah. can you talk a bit about that and, and your memories? Yeah, um he he um he was called in. there
1: was a meeting called, Mick McCarty called a meeting and the meeting was according to Roy Keane, was about uh, was about Roy Keane himself and there was stuff in the papers and McCarty wasn't too pleased. And um, he, he, he accused Keane of, of uh feigning an injury, fe- you know, faking an injury. And, and Keane lost a head at, at that point in time, um, at that moment, uh, and lashed uh, out, out at Mick. Obviously, the, the, there was talk of the facilities not being great. And well, I think they, there they, was an article they, they done.
0: It. I think Roy Keane did an article during that period in the papers and kind of went public with the issues in the camp, which was probably a big no-no. I'm not sure why he did that. But then if... The rumours are true that Mick McCarty said he faked an injury. I mean, that's probably the worst thing you could say to someone like Roy Keane, who's a proud Irish man. I'm sure was very proud to play for his country. OK,
1: so, so the facilities weren't great, the equipment and stuff like that, and he, he was saying a few things in the paper. McCarty was pissed, and then once McCarthy said that to him about faking an injury, Keane just lost a cool and told him he was this and he was that, and he wasn't a great manager, he wasn't a great player, he wasn't even Irish, and, and, he, and Keane walked out. Um, I was very disappointed when I heard the news that I wouldn't get to see him play. Did he walk out or was he
0: told to leave? Oh, uh, um, yeah. That's a great question. I mean, so much happened around there. And at one minute, he he wanted to leave, I think. And then at one point, he decided to stay. And then at one point, Mick McCarthy told him to leave. I think there was a lot of dynamics going on there. There was people trying to intervene and... There was all kinds of stuff going on. The tea shock of
1: Ireland was getting involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy stuff, but um, the country came to a standstill uh, uh, and continued to do so. Um, he, 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 anyway, he was leaving. He, you know, whatever went on between that moment where they had their difference differences uh, to the moment where he left, there was a spell where it was it seemed to have calmed down. But he, he was gone anyway. Whether he was kicked out or he walked, it wasn't meant to be, and it was disappointing because I was so looking forward to him playing um he he was doing really, really well he was in his he was approaching that part of his game where he's becoming a veteran and he's still got it he's still able to run games he's still able to control games and it It was disappointing that, that because I felt that at this point of, of his of his career, this was a stage where he could show people show everybody that he was one of the best in the world, which he was uh, and and when he left the side the squad. It was disappointed not, you know, knowing that I wasn't going to see him. Um, he's a great player. Uh, positional sense was incredible. Um, rarely was his body shaped in the wrong way for him to continue in his game. And defensively, absolutely brilliant at reading the game and picking up and intercepting passes. And his passes were always breaking lines. Was a very good passer the ball going forward. Um, so it, it obviously would have been a huge loss to that Irish team going into that tournament. Because they're all the things that he did. And he did drive the, the, the team on. And it wasn't just in the in the Holland game. Uh, you're right about that over Mars. I remember that tackle. Uh, but he did that week in, week out. He did it for his country and he did it for United. And he carried those two teams on uh, in some famous victories where you you, you know he carried in Ireland through qualifiers. We don't hear much about that. Um and he also don't forget. Went on to to win um, the player, Irish player of the of the tournament here in the US, the World Cup tournament in the US. Um, so Rye came with a very very special leader, a very special player. But we need right we need in the game. Um, people who will stand up, speak out, not take any crap. Which you, you know it's funny because he's the very one to dish it all out. But there's also a myth out there about him that he's this aggressive, lunatic fanatic madman that goes around you know we, we obviously it's highlighted when we see it happening but I doubt it very
0: much if that's the case Well it's interesting Joe because you know a lot of people talk about that you know what you've talked about that he's this kind of crazy person and you know I had my own experiences with him when I was at Manchester United um, and i kind of seen both sides of his. his drive and determination was obviously phenomenal but you know in some of the brief interactions I had i I seen a someone that was great fun, you know, and uh, many different stories. But I, I remember one very funny one, Um, the day I officially signed, you know, they flew my parents over and we were in Alex Ferguson's office and we signed and then Sir Bobby Charlton came in and we got a few photos with him as well. I remember my dad being very nervous actually when, uh, the only time I've ever seen my dad nervous was when Bobby Charlton walked into the room. But I remember the youth development officer after that brought me into the changing room. And I'm in there in the first team changing room, you know, I'm in my shirt and tie and it was after the game and and they brought in, uh, they always brought in steak sandwiches after the game for the protein, you know, to eat straight after the game. So I was a, a shy 15 year old kind of in the corner, didn't really know where to look, you know, but there you are, you're in the Manchester United first team changing room. And I just kind of seen Roy Keane and David May kind of giggling in the corner a bit. And David May actually was a great guy, but he was very, he was definitely like the kind of class clown, always having fun. And Roy Keane, you knew they were up to something, but I, you know, I was kind of having a look in the corner of my eye. And they were both having a sandwich, you know, steak sandwich. next thing, whack, steak sandwich (laughs) smacks me in the face. Roy Keane had thrown a sandwich at me for the laugh, you know so i'm all embarrassed there and i don't know whether to i didn't know whether to laugh or cry to be honest like so i just kind of smirked back at them and um it was just crazy really that this these like superstars were throwing a steak sandwich at a 15 year old but it was all done in jest and it was a bit of fun but um i didn't know whether to wipe my face or not i was so nervous but i could still feel the, the, the whatever was in it the butter or the, the sauce of on the side of my cheek but um, so he was always having fun like that. And there was that side to him. And, you know, another story I remember was I went on loan to UCD because of my injury. I had the pelvis injury. Some doctors thought that if I trained less for a period... Um, I might grow out of the problem because my body was still developing and the plan was to go on loan to UCD, train less but still play at a competitive level and go back to Manchester United whenever I had the chance. So I was flying back um, for a week's training and things were going well for me back in Ireland and um, I was sitting on the plane and next thing I got a tap on the shoulder and I looked around and it was Roy Keane. And he said to me, He goes, I hear you're doing very well in UCD. How's everything going? And I was just amazed that like he 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 knew that. And he knew, you know, to come over and say hello. And then the other side, when we got off the plane, we walked down together, we had a good chat, um, and we got to the baggage area, and he asked me, did I need a lift anywhere? And I had a lift organized anyway. So I was just it was just amazing that he was kind of just trying to look after me a bit. And three days later, I was actually training with the first team. Um, I trained with the Utes the first day, the reserves the second day and I was with the first team the third day and we were just playing a bit of uh, you know, 5v2 before start started training, one touch and I remember Nicky Butt absolutely pinged the ball at me there's no way I could control it and I bounced off my leg and I went to go into the middle to take the bib and Roy Keane stepped in, he said don't you dare take that bib and then he turned to Nicky Butt, he goes don't you dare stitch him up again and I just thought that was nice that maybe a fellow Irishman, captain of Manchester United, was looking after the young guy. So I've seen a lot of a lot of goodness in him in, in that in that sense. Um, and you'd always see him kind of having a bit of a joke around the dressing room and a bit of banter, as they say, you know. So this myth that he was walking around growling at everyone all the time, you know, was wrong. Now there is another side to him, obviously, but um, you know, from my interactions with him, I saw a, a great footballer. A decent person, you know, that was very conscious to make sure he looked after the young people, you know. It's it's very interesting to hear that side
1: of him. we don't hear enough of that about him, but we do know that he he's got a really good heart in there as well, uh, around people, and he's very involved in in charity work. Um, he he seems to be very down to earth in that story there, but we can't deny that he's got this streak in him, and um, and it comes out in games. I mean, he even said himself, aggression is what I do. I go I go to war. You don't contest a football match in the right state of mind, in a reasonable state of mind. You hear players talking about, you know, when they scored or when he scored and they went to celebrate with him, it was like a man possessed. Um, and then we also ha- have that, that situation that he had with Halland, where Halland There was a situation In the game Where Keane kind of Tried to Actually tried to Interfere with Haaland Haaland Went away from him And Keane went down And got that injury Dude it was A horrible injury injury, Right he was out for months And then when he came back Playing in a game And Haaland was playing And it was very clear What Keane did there So there's that streak In there with him
0: uh, There's a question mark Over over that Um, I, I didn't like To be fair I didn't like what he did because he, he, he he obviously he got a horrific injury and he spent a long time out and did his rehab, but he never forgot it. And he tried to get back at Halland then and he made that tackle. I think you're referring to the tackle he made. It was an awful tackle. I mean, if you go onto YouTube and look at it, it was an absolute career ending tackle. Like, and you know, I, I would just wouldn't condone that in any way, shape or form. I totally agree with you. Uh, and he's done it and he... he
1: um. He's got a serious hot temper, um, and he certainly um, we started to see as he after that injury, you know, he started to slow down a little bit, and you now he changed his game a little bit. He wasn't he wasn't explosive as explosive going forward, but he still he still ran games. He still held his own in, in the in in the field in the game, and then as he got a little bit on, he knew he wasn't quite the player he, you know he wanted to be. Uh, and he started to get a little bit too loud and a little bit too noisy in the media and on MUTV. And he started to uh, really criticise his own players and even the club a little bit. And then the uh, fallen out had started with him and Fergie. It was terrible to see. Uh, he was a top man there. Um, but, you know, going back to your interaction with him... Um, uh, we we want to try and definitely paint Keane as a as a great as a great ambassador for the game, but it's hard to do. Um, but but we have a tendency to look at his caricature
0: and his is and who he is and and this judge him on that. But he did talk about um kind of playing up to that as well. He did say in an interview, you know, where I think it was an interview with Kel, Kevin Kilban and I I did hear him say that like you know shaving the hair and having the skinhead and kind of playing up to that whole persona of him being a thug and you know and i talk about life being one big act and all and i do agree with that like you know you probably you know he probably played up to that and and knew the value of it you know but obviously he was you know he is a a tough guy as well but um he's a really interesting character but you know i I just i wanted to mention them stories to show the kind of the sincere side of him and the fun side of him and as well You know, by all accounts, he's a a very good family man, you know, a good husband and a a great dad, you know. So I think it's important to recognize that as well. But but he does have a switch and that switch was probably what made him such a great, great player, apart from obviously the natural ability and the engine and the hard work, you know. And, you know, maybe he, you know, gets sent off now and again and things like that. But you nearly have to take that as it comes sometimes with players like that. But um, I think it's important to paint the other side of it as well. Well, when, when he, uh, in his move from
1: Forest to United, uh, all the United players were very excited. Everyone knew that uh, they were getting something special. Uh, they also knew that he was ratty and he'd get on your case and he certainly, we certainly uh, have seen that many, many times. Take an extra touch, you got you got lashed out of it. If you weren't quick enough, you got lashed out of it by him. Uh, but, you know, the thing about him is, is that he, he led by example. He... You know, Vieira even said it. You know, actually, he found him very fair. That he wouldn't say much if you caught him, but he'd catch you then later. Um, so he, you know, he was he was very much fair on the field. But if you, if you crossed him in any way, shape, or form, that was it. He was coming after you. Time didn't mean anything. He he he, he was he was payback. You could be almost guaranteed from Keane. Um, but it, it's only a handful of times in his career. And we, we shouldn't really get caught up with uh, the villain that he's painted to be. Although we need Roy Keane's and football, we need him to 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 continue. He's now with a uh, back and forest with Martin O'Neill. What do you
0: think of that? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, listen, he went into management. Um, he d- people underestimate what he did at Sunderland. He did a very very good job at Sunderland. I think he had a bit of a falling out with the owners at one point. Hence why. Um, they parted company but he did a fantastic job there in my opinion Ipswich probably not as much and he kind of is on record saying that he feels his you know activity in the transfer market wasn't great in his time in Ipswich and obviously recruitment is king in all them situations and then he went in you know with Martin O'Neill to do the Irish show and we discussed that before in the podcast um, a couple of months ago you know people kind of gave him a real hard time near the end and it wasn't great at the end but let's not forget the success they had calling us for the Euros. You know, then big mo. They gave us some big moments. You know, and I think all in all, they did a very good job. And maybe it was time for a change. But um, he's obviously a good manager and a good coach, um, and he's still a very young coach and manager. So he's still probably learning to trade. And it's I think it's good that he's he's in there in Forest as an assistant. And you know, I I I think I personally think that he will. If someone gives him the chance, because some people think he carries a bit of baggage, but if someone gives him a chance, I I think he will become an excellent manager. Um, yeah, he's not going to give
1: up on on his. Uh, he's not a quitter, and uh, he's dealing with those kinds of um you you know challenges all his life as as a player. He was considered not tall enough, not big enough. Uh, he played. He played in Cork as a schoolboy. He did a bit of boxing. We certainly saw those skills one time when he sw- took a swing at Shearer and just missed him. The speed of him. But however, he, he did a bit of boxing as a kid. He went on to play football. Got really good at it. Signed with uh, Rock Rockmount local team, local junior team, like all his cousins, family, friends. And never actually. I was player of the year with that club. and never actually got a chance. to are invited. He started to ride into uh, into into clubs, went for trials, and, and and eventually, after being told many times too small, too small, he made it. He made it to Forest from Co Co Ram- Ramblers, um. And so he's it, it, always been, ta- you know, early on he's been told you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it. In the coaching, he, he he did well at Sunderland. He did very well when he took Sunderland over. By the way, I think they were twenty third. They went all the way up and won the title, got promoted. Uh, he's no quitter, um, and he, he has said after doing after he was a pundit, it's not for him, it's not for, it's not for me. He said uh, he feels strongly that he can still be involved actively in the game, and uh, and and he's proven that right now. He got a chance. Martin O'Neill believes in him. He has a chance. He's back coaching, he's assistant coach now at Forest. Um, he, he's not going to quit. I, I I think he's the kind of person. Um he's still young, as you said, in he, his late forties, he's still the kind of person um that's that's going to, to, to keep fighting to get that manager of a team. I think he wants it badly.
0: Yeah, I think he does want to go back into the management. Now I mean the one argument I would have is, you know, does he have what I would call the so Bobby Charlton syndrome? Because Bobby Charlton went into management and he found it very hard because he was such an iconic player himself, and he couldn't understand why the players weren't able to do certain things that he found so easy. And is there an element of that with Roy Keeney was such a talented, high level player that isn't hard for him to coach the lesser player? That could be an argument. But I think this time as an assistant, um maybe he can adapt to that element of it. Because is he ever you know, has he coached or managed a player anywhere near as good as him? Probably not. Well,
1: in, in his career so far, um, we've seen that he can come in and make an, an incredible impact on his surroundings because of his stature, his presence alone. I've seen him walk across League of Ireland field, pitches and just the just walk and his gait and his presence alone, is, is, you know it's keen, you, you know there's something special in the ground. He's a super human, he's a super, super player uh, and he's got super presence. Now, you're going to get that energy in the early stage when he joins a club. And then you're going to have a drop-off. Now, when he went to Ipswich, you were right. He admitted his recruiting wasn't great. He also lost one or two players, but they still got some results. If, if they had a stayed with him, I think he would have turned it around at, at, at Ipswich. Uh, so so if, if, if I'm an owner of a club and I'm taking keen on, I know I'm going to get an immediate impact in the early stages because of who he is. And then there's going to be a spell where okay now he's getting his feet wet now he's now he's you know in this day and age there's no time for that but Keane needs that period to grow as a coach and I don't know if someone will give him that opportunity but he needs that period big time to get through after the if you like the the impact stage to get through a couple of seasons where he's really learning the trade with the club and then we can see who Keane can really be or who can become as a manager and I don't know if he's going to get that. Opportunity and that time frame that he needs as a coach.
0: I wish he, I wish he did. Well, hopefully he does, because he's such a character to have around. And I, I mean, I like watching him when he does the punditry. And he's obviously openly said that it's not something he wants to do, kind of on a full time basis. But he, he has a lot to offer, obviously. And he's a great figure in football. Um, you know, and some great memories watching him play, and and some great memories. Them, them small little bits of interaction I had with him. You know, great for me just to, to be able to kind of talk about that and, you know, it brings back some, some good memories of, of being over there and being in the mix with people like that. But as I said, I think it's important to paint a picture of him not to be this thug that goes around shouting and roaring at everyone. He, 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 as you said, he's involved in some good charities. And he was a good guy, fun around the dressing room. And, um, yeah, just an interesting character. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more stories to talk about um, about Roy Keane in the future but um, yeah Joe thanks for coming in today great to talk about it. another great topic Um, a lot of our listeners are always contacting us and asking for you to come back in so thank you very much great to be here thank you